Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. As always, a delight to have you with us for This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Today we celebrate the life of a man who played for three clubs, nearly clocked up the magical 250-game barrier. He carries one of the most famous names in football and he joins me in the studio, Paul Hudson. Hello, welcome to you. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you along. You're looking fit, as always. You always look fit on the footy field, and you look in pretty good shape. I'm probably a few kilos above my my playing weight back in the day, but um, I tend to put it on all over, not in one particular spot. So I'm a little bit more thick-set these days. You're still pretty active? Try to, yeah. Exercise every morning. I uh, I actually, uh, at nearly being 50 next year, still playing over 35s, and I had a, um, with the Marcelin Bald Eagles, which are... Um, a group of guys, uh, Bernie Crimmins, who was Peter Crimmins' brother, and instigated the Marcelin Bald Eagles, and a few ex-Hawthorne players were involved, Mark Graham, Dan- Daniel Harford, Richard Taylor, I could name a few, and uh, it's something uh, I've been involved with. I said, if I could get to 50 playing supers, I'll-, I'll be happy, so I'm not far away. What's the best part about still being in that team environment at times? Is it just the fact that you can get together with your mates and talk a bit of rubbish and get out there and still have a kick, which you enjoy, obviously? Oh, look, I I grew up, as we'll talk about, um, knowing nothing else, really. It wasn't uh, forced down my throat by by my old man, but uh, I I was just always around it. Um, As a kid, going to training with Dad, and getting kicked off the oval because the seniors had to train. I'd find myself down the end of the oval practising my craft. I look back on it. I'm, you know, One area of the ground I probably could have a kick is around the goals and not get in the way. So I look back on that. Um, they were special times because Dad worked extremely hard in the, in the hotel and, and growing up, so I didn't see a lot of him that way. Um, and then he said you know, he, he would never coach me. Well, he coached me at under 10s because no one at, at school... Um, no parent would take on the responsibility, so he coached me at under-10s. And then the opportunity came as a 15-year-old. I was um, I was quite quite happy playing uh, or helping out and just assisting for the Hobart Football Club. And I was at school at the time, at Hutchins School. And this particular pre-season, uh, they, were, they were short. Uh, a couple of the guys said, well, they said, well, can you just stand in a pocket and make up the numbers. Well, I've ended up kicking five <laughs> and finding myself playing my first senior game not too, not too far <laughs> after. So uh, that, that was uh, interesting in itself because if you asked Dad, he had to run that by my mum. So uh, mum was very nervous on the day of my first senior game at 15 playing for Hobart in Tassie at the time. So I think she had the, she had the thermos 
as you do back in those days, and I reckon half of it was full of Scotch whiskey, to be honest. So, <laughs> um, and 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 what a first game it was because uh, I broke my scaphoid and I was out for the next twelve weeks. Oh, gee! So, but uh, that's the way it goes. What a journey, and we're going to talk about that. How is your dad going? Your famous dad? Yeah, look, dad's great. We uh, we've recently, probably over the last year or two, done a, a lot of um, father and son. Um, speaking engagements uh, for football clubs um, because, um, uh, look, we, we get along really well and I've heard all of his stories and anecdotes and I still start laughing by the time he finishes them. And um, and it's just something that um, we, we love doing together as a father and son. Um, I suppose something we've got to look forward to in a few years' time is people... Um, probably don't join the dots on this one, but he played in the 71 grand final. I played in the 91. It's going to be my 30-year reunion. It's going to be his 50. Mm. So to be able to go to a reunion with, especially with, you know, 50 years, um, and, and and Dad is uh, is pretty special. So we've got a, you know, we've got a good uh, good relationship um, out, of, out of footy uh, as a result. We're going to be talking about your career, but... His career, that 71 grand final, what does he say about that? Because it was widely regarded as one of the more brutal grand finals, the more punishing physical grand finals that we've ever seen. Yeah, and look, <laughs> a lot of people don't realise this, but uh, obviously Cowboy Neil um, got Re- Dad. Rearranged uh, his ear. Yeah, in the first quarter and, and knocked him out. So Dad can't remember, and I couldn't think of anything worse, having been in a grand final and not remembered it. And I think that's what gave Dad so much joy to be able to sit back in the 91 and see, and Dad talks about this, you know, to be able to watch me go through it when he can't remember it was pretty special. Mm. Mm. Does he remember that kick, the one that everybody talks about in the last quarter where Barry Lawrence was standing on the mark and as it turns out, your dad got a bit too close to him? No, no, and if you've ever, and and he honestly can't, he can't uh, recall it only by vision now and, and sees it, but cannot uh, join the dots in, in what transpired. And it's funny, I, I don't know if you've, if you've ever been knocked out. I had a good head that people wanted to knock me out and was knocked <laughs> out a couple of times. Uh, it's not in my nature, that's for sure. Um, and uh, there's a funny story about Dad. Uh, the only part he could remember, and you do, you, you can only, when you get knocked out, you can sort of only remember maybe a small part of something. Well, it was at half time and he tells the story. And I think it was Robert Day, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Robert Day, and he got knocked out too, and they were deciding who, who to put back on at half-time, and Dad's lying there, on, and you can remember just lying there on the on the bench, and uh, they were talking to Robert. I said, who are we going to put on? So they said to Robert, you're right to go on. He goes, yeah, which way am I kick? Which way are we kicking? He goes, he's in a bit of trouble, so he, he didn't get to go back on, and Dad did. So We talked about Tassie and the influence that your father had uh, with football in Tassie, and of course you being a famous Tasmanian, there is a lot of talk at the moment. There seems to be this momentum that is building towards a Tassie team. Do you think the day will happen, and will it happen soon? I'd like to see Tassie uh, be in there. I know Dad played a part in the task force initially when when they were looking at, at, at doing that. Uh, it's very hard when, when, when you're not there, um, down on the ground, I'm not sure. Um, I don't want to be saying things out of school, but I think um, to be truly national, yes. Um, they've got two great venues in the state, you know, both north and south. The one thing I, I will say, and I was probably as guilty as any 
in um, Tasmania's uh, mindset when it comes to the north-south rivalry, and we all know that. For TZ to be successful, I think that that really, really does need to uh, change and change that culture to become one. If the team is formed, it's almost got to be in the capital, doesn't it? It has to be Hobart-based, but then you have to find a model where it shares time between both of those venues that you spoke about. Yeah, uh, and that, that, that makes sense. Yeah, having a base, so you're not spending less time travelling, gives you more time to you know, work on game plans and, 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 the, and the like. So, yeah, it makes sense, I, I would think, Hobart, and you've still got Aurora up north. Uh, or Utah Stadium, sorry, um, to to do that. So uh, that would, I think, support the members um, having to travel and being mindful of them travelling down because it is it is a long way from Lonnie to Hobart, Pete. You know, two hours, and oh, yeah. we sit in two hours traffic every day. Yeah, just to go about <laughs> ten kilometres. So uh, yeah, as as we as we <laughs> as we've alluded to, so. Now, Hutto, you mentioned the the fact that you haven't been on the ground that much, but you've actually you've got a connection with Tassie now, and it's something to do with the job that you've got at the moment. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, well, two and a half years ago, I stepped away from footy for the first time in 38 years, having grown up and been a part of it and coaching and uh, AFL level coaching for 10 years was great. However, we extended our family, and, 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 and before I touch on that, I suppose this is one thing that you don't understand and comprehend at the time when you play AFL, AFL footy, and, 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 and Dad did it to me by playing over 100 games at a club that gives you a chance to at least be father-son. You've got to be good enough, but at least that chance. Well, I'm pretty proud that I, I looked around and to be able to have two clubs that my boys can, I've got four boys, and that they could go and and play at, at Hawthorne and the Bulldogs is just something um, uh, that I've sort of given them a head start in a way. Still, they've got to be good enough, but they're in a fortunate position that maybe two clubs they could uh, they could go to. So obviously getting getting back to Tassie um, and, and, and having, the, having the boys and the, and the family uh, just became too much for AFL footy and the demands and what's involved in in the coaching ranks and something had to give and I'd had a pretty good run so uh, I stepped into this new venture in, in a company called Electronic Signage Australia and it's in to do with LED products and our, our main markets are, are clubs. Uh, we tap into retail, we tap into schools um, but they're predominantly used for scoreboards at, uh, at club level and I spoke to the, one of the directors who got me involved and I'm pretty passionate and I, I look back on my time being over here, I didn't get back to Tasmania all that much. I looked at the market over there and there was only uh, no focus by other companies either on getting down to Tasmania. And I, I said to Andrew and I had a meeting with AFL Taz and I said, look, if we're going to come down here as a business, I really want to uh, be able to give back. We want to not just be seen as, as a club that, uh, uh, sorry, a organisation that's coming in doing a commercial tra- transaction, we I want to come up with something that we can give back. And we came up with an agreement by, you know, the amount of boards that end up going into the state. And over, I'm proud to say over two and a half years, we've got now 15 boards throughout Tasmania um, in that LED space. And we've contributed approximately $15,000 back to grassroots footy. Oh, that, that's, you know, all warm and fuzzies for me because... Uh, it's my way of giving back to the state and grassroots. We're trying to set up our business so that we can support and give back 
to clubs and uh, there's a few out there that know what I'm talking about in relation to those little one percenters that we can do as a, as a business. Great venue, North Hobart. I remember going mm. to a state game there, um, a couple of famous state games at North Hobart. Gee, the atmosphere there was something to behold. And that was the other part, to be involved in... And, and, and growing up as a kid, I used to walk down. We used to live up on the hill behind North Hobart, mm. and I used to walk down and, and go to the football religiously. It didn't matter who was playing. And it was when the days were I had to listen to the radio to hear the Hawthorne scores, and then the person would walk out and you'd get the score, and they'd change the scores manually with the mm. old manual style. There, there was a digital ball, but it was it's very ancient now, and we've you know we've just changed that completely. Um, but it's um, you know it, it's a special ground. Um, it it kick-started my career and thanks to Robert Shaw and uh, him choosing me in 1990 to play Victoria was was pretty special because I hadn't played a senior game for Hawthorne at that stage in 1990 and to do well in that game against uh, Ayersie, Condo, um, well, Darren Pritchard and I were the two Hawthorne players for Tassie but Hawthorne was well represented with Paul Deere and Ayersie and Langers and these guys and uh, to actually beat them um, it, it was well the highlight of my career um, when uh, when I was first starting, and and like I said, Robert Shaw played a big part in that in uh, in picking me. We're going to talk about Tassie because when we come back on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk about your early steps, and uh, even apart from standing up that one end of the ground and kicking five goals when you weren't even supposed to be there. We'll find out how the journey began for Paul Hudson when we come back on the other side of the break. Hope you're enjoying This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Plenty more to come with Hutto after the break. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Hope you're enjoying the chat with Paul Hudson on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives, 245 games, 479 goals. The name Hudson, did you feel as though it was an advantage to you as you were a youngster coming up through the ranks or was the expectation so high that you just had to be as good as your famous dad? <laughs> yes, I get I get asked that one quite a bit. Uh, it was, I, I found it difficult. Um, because of, um, I'd always get thrown full forward, like just playing full forward. And yet, so the comparisons became inevitable then. That's right. Yeah, and but I did have good goal sense, and that's what Dad did to. Well, I hope DNA wise uh, gave me, and I, I love about the game because uh, yeah, get the ball in my hands type of thing. Uh, I, I didn't shy away from it, and obviously practiced it and had. Uh, a good grounding in that space. A few times, you know, I, especially trying to play my first senior AFL game, you know, the, the, um, I suppose from a targeting, I was targeted a couple of times and even I had a couple of instances in, in school footy uh, down in Tassie. I was targeted one day and, and I had a really serious injury. I, uh, having come over to Melbourne and 19... Uh, would have been 80, well, eight, was 88. And I was combining school football and playing reserve grade footy. So I came over and played straight into the reserves. No under-19s, just straight into the reserves. And back then you had to do your apprenticeship, as as, as you do, like ask Jimmy Morrissey and Paul Deere and mm. these guys. And even, even Tucky. Tucky. Yeah, yeah, you're right, spot on. And um, 
yeah, so I was combining school and and uh, there was this situation, not naming names or anything, but um, I was playing a particular school and I got a handball over the top, it just dribbled it through for a goal and I got sandwiched, but I just didn't expect it and got, got sandwiched. Well, ruptured spleen and bruised kidneys later and in hospital for two and a half months. Uh, doing VCE, I thought, well, my mindset was it couldn't get any worse, to be honest, and you always come back from injuries, and then um, you know a couple of years later, I played in the AFL Grand Final. So, um, it, it, yeah, having the Hudson name carried carried a bit of weight, but um, you know I got through, and it was getting best on ground, best on ground, and best on ground in, in the reserves. I won the BNF that year as well, and managed to to, to crack it in nineteen ninety, and, uh, and I think I played on number one uh, draft pick that year in Anthony Bannock in that first game. Mm-hmm. So, um, look, it, yeah. But once I got there, I mean, it felt like a weight off my shoulders when it when it came to um, playing my first senior game. I suppose that targeting never really went away. Um, it was a way, and I understand now, and it was a way the guys tried to get inside your head, you know, from a mental perspective a lot of the time as well. And... I always said to, to I've always said recently as well, and I, th- I think the type of player I was, and obviously not a hard type of player, I, I, I'd love to be playing the game now. Um, I wasn't quick, but I had the endurance and the skills, and I just think I grew up in that awkward, that awkward era um, of, you know, the physicality was still there, um, but now it's so clean and tidy. Um, I'll, the way I played was probably more suited for the game now. So, And what you also did was you came into one of the great teams of all time. You were on the back of that era, which still wasn't finished, mm. but it was an unstoppable force, that Hawthorne team. All of those consecutive grand finals, you must have felt as though you were blessed coming into a team that will forever be regarded as one of the great outfits the game has ever seen. Yeah. Um, you have a look at the, the side... In that '91 team, and 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 the pleasing part about '91 for myself as well was finishing resume high in both the BNF and and the Brownlow, and no disrespect to two great footballers in Jason Dunstall and Dermot Prairton, but they both got injured, so it did allow me to to kick some goals, <laughs> whereas uh, the runner would usually come out, Pete and. Uh, Get out of the fifty. Just leave it open for Jason. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, how am I, how am I going to impact? And I, w- I would just get front and square every time and hope that Jason might drop one. Mm. Um, but it's, didn't drop too many. No, there, no, of course. And um, but it, that that was the pleasing part about about '91 having played a major part uh, throughout the year. You spoke about the Brownlow, fifth was it in the Brownlow? Yeah. Yep. What was that yep. night like? Interesting. Never thought I'd I'd win it. Uh, but it got to a point. Um, well, Jimmy, you know, never hit the lead in the, in the leaderboard. But um, if I suppose, if you're going to get someone win the brown though, uh, Jimmy Steins this year, obviously, um, you don't mind. And it's good to see a ruckman. You know, like even now we're hearing the midfielders award and so forth. Pardon me. It, it was uh, it was great to see Jimmy Jimmy win it. I. Growing up as a kid, again, I never dreamt of winning the Brownlow. I never, never crossed my mind. I 
vividly remember wanting to win a premiership for Hawthorne. It just meant so much to me and and just drove me to wanting to wanting to do that. I mean, is there some part of you that says, gee, I wish it had been at the G? Because that's where it happens. Or does it not matter? It's still a grand final. Yeah. Um, it felt different, though. It, to us, it felt different. I don't know from a playing point of view whether it felt different or not. No, nah, not not from a playing perspective. I mean, uh, I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, mm. to be honest. I was playing on a lot of nervous energy. And no, I mean, you're so focused on the game that um, you, t- you take in what's going on around you and the noise and, and so forth. But... Um, uh, you know, the national anthem, it still felt like a grand final to me. The others, um, well, for myself and Andy Gowers and Steve Lawrence and the guys who only played in that grand final and on, on, on Waverley would probably all say the same thing, whereas, you know, Jason and um, might have different opinions because they, they, uh, they played at the MCG. But I must admit it was very rewarding 2005 when I went down the coaching path and I was coaching Gippsland Power we uh, we won the grand final in 2005 to be the last TAC Cup uh, club before that uh, pre-game mm. stopped. So uh, that that was uh, that was special. As it turns out, Hutto, it was a good time to arrive because that powerful era of the Hawks was about to come to an end. It couldn't go forever. It seemed as though it did go forever for those of us who supported other teams in the 80s and and early 90s. But what about your time overall at Hawthorne? Interesting. It was a little bit of a roller coaster ride, and I uh, it didn't finish. It didn't finish the way I wanted to. Uh, to to be portrayed on walking out on the club was hurtful for me at the time. I remember I was quite transparent with the club, um, and poor old Kenny Judge was uh, the coach at the time, and we'd had meetings and discussions. And I, I remember when I'd made that decision. To, to go to the Bulldogs, and that in itself was interesting. Um, it, I saw on the news that night that you know that was portrayed that I'd walked walked out on the club, and uh, if I had my time again, I, I, I look, I wouldn't change going to the. You win some, you lose some, and then we'll probably talk about that. But I, I, uh, it was at a point where I had to I had to do something in my career and to step away, and and it helped become my own person in a way by going over to the doggies and hopefully I could transfer what I'd experienced and, and done and that's what Terry Wallace could see and that I could bring to the Bulldogs and to do what um, Brisbane we, it was nearly a mirror image as to what they did this year to go from I think we're mm. the last or second last to a prelim final and lost by two points it was an amazing effort by the club and to reach the prelim you know 98 as well so um, to be a part of that was was quite special. But um, I look, I love. I mean, if you had to see my bedroom growing up, Pete, it was dooners and posters and paraphernalia in my room as a kid. And um, and people say, look, who do you choose between? You know, the Hawks and the Bulldogs. Well, I I, I would probably have to say. I mean, I love them both. I really do, and I I don't choose between them. But growing up as a kid, probably got you know gets Hawthorne across the line if if you were to choose. That's all. So mm. It was a, a special club, special people. Uh, still keep in touch with a lot of Hawthorne people to this day. 
you said you could identify your, or you get your own identity when you went from Hawthorne to the Bulldogs. That that uh, family tie, if you like, had been broken to a certain degree. Here you are. Did you find you were revitalised a bit? Was it a bit of a fresh start for you? Did you get that spring back in your step again? I did. It uh, uh, took, took a little while because I was in and out in that first year, in the 97, and obviously coming in for the prelim and, and so forth. But... Um, uh, I had my own individual goals and, and to be picked All-Australian in 1998, um, <laughs> I've probably got uh, Malcolm Brown to, to thank for that because I've, I've heard some funny stories in relation to, um, well, my selection in that year. So to be able to um, get that club back up and running when it was rattling tins was was so, again, rewarding. And that's I think that's why I love this game. And we touched on coaching even at a younger age, that the the young the younger brigade of Gippsland Power, it is it's so rewarding in in what you can do for a football club, because we're we're journeymen or I was in a way going to different clubs, but uh, to be able to assist that club and and now see it uh, survive and and do well, and it was quite emotional sitting in the crowd a couple of years ago just. Watching the dogs, everything went right. Whereas '97, everything went wrong. Mm. Um, to be honest, you know, we had Danny Southern, you know, get a week, you know, for a trip. Well, that's never happened, and the only time it happened, you know, got pulled in between sitting in the stands. And um, I'm sure if we, uh, a couple of things had to go on our way, decisions and. Um, Goals that might have been points and well, points that might have been goals. <laughs> yeah, I still swear that was that was a goal. But everybody does. Yeah, and but we didn't have video replay, and the goalposts were toothpicks and so forth. And but uh, that's footy, yeah. mate. The way things are going, even if we had video oh. replay, we might still mightn't have got the same thing, <laughs> or you know, mightn't have got the right decision anyway. Well, yeah, that's uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. But it was a remarkable time for the football club. As you said, it was so close to being out of business and we only had to see what happened to Fitzroy a couple of years previously that it got to the point of no return. Mm. And here was this football club that had got off its knees and was that close to a grand final. It was an extraordinary Cinderella story, if you like, even if it didn't make it all the way to the big one. No, exactly. That that year as well, I mean, the, the facilities weren't great. We were getting up at, you know, when it was dark, pre-season... Um, Skinner Reserve, these type of ovals around the Winton Oval. Uh, it wasn't ideal, but that 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 uh, probably typified the club, the you know the the um, willingness to work hard, do whatever it takes, and that that came through. And I suppose we had the the three amigos, as in Jose, Dimmer, and and, um, and Libba. Uh, that 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 uh, relentless wanting wanting to win. Combined with some talent and hard work, you know, got us to, to those two prelims. I think a lot of players probably would hope that they end their careers as one club players. It was two for you at that stage, mm. and it was going to be three. How did that all come about, Richmond? Uh, Terry Wallace was quite transparent in um, wanting to promote the younger guys. I was getting towards the end of my, my career. I was contracted to the club. I loved the club. I loved the doggies and didn't want to do the wrong thing either by... Uh, being on a contract that if I'm only going to be playing, you know, seconds football, if if that's what it was going to be, it'd be great to have a crystal ball. It might not have been that, but I, I, I chose to um, 
to take that punt. I thought, you know, no, I'm still fit. Um, my body's my body's good. My manager at the time, who's unfortunately now no longer with us, he he knew Danny quite well, as and, and we know <laughs> I was Spud, but it was. Um, we might talk about that in a moment, just mm. yeah, indirectly, because uh, Danny was very supportive of me going to Richmond. But I can categorically say now, and I know, that it wasn't Danny's decision for me not to have played the games, the only three games that I did play. I think I kicked about 50 goals for Coburg. Alan Richardson was a coach at Coburg at, at the time. And Danny really, really struggled with uh, having to c- confront me week after week after kicking maybe let's say five goals, six goals. No, we're not picking you this week. Well, when I was at St Kilda, when he ended up getting involved down there, he was so apologetic. And I said, Spud, you don't need to be apologetic. I understand. Don't take it to heart. It's and My memories of Spud are all happy. How's this? The, uh, the night before the grand final, 1991, Mike Williamson, who's no longer with us either and was an MC at my first wedding, he ran shopping centre promotions with the handball competitions and I wanted to keep my routine the Friday night and uh, I ended up going out to Waverley Gardens doing, doing a handball competition at, with Spud on the, the night before the grand final and I couldn't have thought of anything better to do. We had that sort of bond early on, uh, his involvement at St Kilda. He would, uh, <laughs> you know, he came into one meeting, one team meeting and review that I did for um, the Sandringham St Kilda players and he ended up taking over. He just He's so passionate and uh, wanted to get his message across. And this generation just didn't know how to take it at the time in the meeting. And it just makes me smile when I think of the stories of, of Danny. And I think that's the reflection of the type of guy he was. And one was the Essendon game that uh, we had the Bulldogs beat Essendon in 2000. I think I kicked seven behinds that night. Just had the, you know, just had the yips. And... That was the famous flood game, wasn't it? That was it. That was the flood game. So that wasn't the best night for me. We won, but um, accuracy, I could, I can remember two games where I didn't kick straight. Mate, but... you were probably buggered because it was all of, you know, <laughs> getting the forwards up into the defensive 50-metre arc and then you had to run down the other end. Yeah, I'm, I'm sounding like Dad. Like, by the time we got down there, he was <laughs> like, a, like a draft horse. But, yeah, I, look, I finished reasonably well physically. Um, I've, I've walked away from footy pretty lucky. Coaching career, the next iteration of your football life. That's coming up after the break with Paul Hudson on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. Paul Hudson is my guest on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Life. So, Hutto, we've covered the playing days and then the coaching bug hit. And you actually, as you mentioned, you got to coach an underage team and there were a few handy players that you had in your tutelage at that stage. I had this passion to want to stay involved in footy. And t- actually, Tony Liberatore and I were doing our coaching courses whilst we were still playing. When I retired in 2002... Found myself uh, very close to Lee going back to Tassie, but that didn't eventuate, and I ended up taking a job, healthy lifestyle program through um, the health services up at up at Langatha. I knew I'd get involved with the football club as well, and quite a, a good one for ex VFL AFL players that have gone through Langatha. Knew Andrew Dunkley, 
was going to be involved as well. To be able to go up there with dunks and have a good time uh, from a football, um, I was involved in the community with uh, with the health service program. Dunks had had enough after one year and wanted to, um, he started up, and he still has a successful machinery business down at Yarram. He'll thank me for that plug too, I hope. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then I, I took over, I obviously stepped up and, and took over the coaching role there for the next year. And then having been involved with the community there, the opportunity presented to, to coach Anna Gibson Powell, which um, I, I think having done that little little stint prior, opened my eyes, I thought, no, I'm, this, is, this is what I want to do, and the apprenticeship, so to speak. This was a good segue to getting into going further and... I was so blessed with the talent that we had, and but we still had to perform and and win with the talent we had in in oh five and, and rolled into oh six and we only lost the prelim in oh six too by by two points. But to coach, um, uh, there were some good stories and and obvious good obvious stories that came out of oh five with um, Scotty Pendlebury, Dale Thomas, Xavier Ellis in the top five as uh, being picked was uh, a great achievement by them to be picked so high. However, uh, there was a couple of stories there of guys I coached and um, Ben Ross jumps to mind, you know, identifying Benny when he was playing at a school game and getting him involved in the program. And Tyson Goldsack, who um, through the under-19 under, under 19 rule, being very close to not being a part of the squad and so forth, was, was quite pleasing as well to be, you know, they, they're two little stories that sort of jumped to mind in, in that rewarding aspect of development and coaching at a younger age, so that um, those couple of years were, were great. And during that time, Lee Matthews quite well, obviously through Dad. And and we we were playing a game, we were playing a game up in Queensland against the Queensland side. And I reached out to Lee, like thinking, you know, and um, I rang the I rang the club. I was proactive and rang the club and left a message and and said I'd love to, you know, I'm up. I'd love to have a chat, and so forth, and. He actually invited me into the coaching box up there at the time and 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 got to do that. And I think he, he kept that in mind and I think in the background he, he kept an eye on me having done that. I think it was a good thing that I was proactive and did that because a few years later I ended up at Brisbane coaching for a couple of years. So that was um, 07 and 08. So as soon as I finished at Power, I went up to, to Brisbane for the two years under Lee and Lee was great. He let, he let me coach in all aspects of the game so I was sort of quite raw and got to touch um, you know experience nearly, nearly all parts of, of the football coaching caper being forward coach um, coach the Suncoast Lions in the reserves uh, some development and opposition as well so within that two-year period it was it was you know a really good grounding uh, for myself and then I, I came back to Collingwood uh, myself and Marcus Ashcroft were out of contract and that's when Vossi came in and and that tends to happen if you're out of contract. I ended up moving back to Melbourne and, and went to Collingwood under Mick and that was 09 and, and 10. So to be a part of that um, grand final experience was, was great. Uh, I was a forwards coach first year, opposition the next, similar to what Bucks did in his two years as um, an assistant coach. And Mick was uh, Mick was great in relation to. Um, I mean, he wanted me to focus more and not, you know, just really focusing on on the forwards and the opposition. So that was uh, that was a great experience. Obviously, the replay 
grand final to be a mm. part of that. It was it was quite interesting when the siren went. You know, we we're just looking at each other a bit numb as coaches, and what do we do? And I was just talking about this yesterday because, um, um, what what happened? We we did we did the function on the Saturday night, and that was very important, as it turns out. Yeah, yeah, and it was a, a great call by. Uh, I'm not sure who made that decision. It was Eddie, Mick, and all, all combined. I think but, it was a combination. Yeah, I think it was, and it, it it was. It was it was really good to do and um, to be around. And and um, they weren't there long. The players weren't there long. They showed up and did the right thing. And but it was about getting ready for for the next week. And and I'm not saying that that was the difference. But it, it definitely played a part in um, obviously the following week. So, and as it turns out, the team that you beat in 2010 was a team where you would finish up. Yeah. St Kilda and and coaching Sandy in the VFL as well. That's right. I've often spoken to the boys about the difference that you have because it it has to be in some ways a development role uh, for the AFL team. That's the way that it works out. But in some ways that goes against your natural instincts as a, a footballer and just wanting to win all the time. Is that a fine balancing act that you have to do when you're in that role? Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, with the alignment, it uh, produces a few curveballs. Yeah, I, I, I look, I'm, I like to work to, I'm pretty ethical when it comes to a lot of things. And I, um, I just, at times, uh, the relationship was quite strained because of um, uh, the goalposts moving, pretty much. And as a coach, when you're coaching, you know, even at VFL level, you've got a responsibility to win, but you've got a responsibility to your players as well. And that 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 was a juggling act at times. So you had to be really, really um, careful uh, in in doing that. But if we were transparent, we knew the guidelines. Well, everything should be okay. Yeah, I won't go into and bore you with all those sort of details, but it uh, it definitely was uh, was difficult and probably still is to to, um, to get that balance of, of the Sandringham side of things, for example, and the players wanting to win and do that and St Kilda looking and developing and, and, and looking after their players is, um, is crucial as well. Did it get to the stage where it was just untenable? Not untenable. It was just, with, that's the difficulty the that you have with an, with a, an alignment, you know, like a, a stand, you know, Richmond, for example, and, and their their VFL team, well, they're in total control. Mm. So uh, it is what it is. I think um, if St Kilda, for example, would prefer to have their own, I would think, their own reserve side, so that uh, it just eliminates those those difficult and uncomfortable situations. And it seems that clubs are going down that way. I think Geelong were the first one to do it when they had that VFL team, that famous VFL team. I won a flag in 2002, I think, and then 2006. And and the model put them on the way to winning the premierships at AFL level. And that seems to be the way that clubs want to go now. Not everybody, but it seems to be the preferred model if you've got the cash to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I think it's... And you have a look at... Uh, yeah, it seems over the years the VFL team, and to to, to continually be keep playing, if your VFL uh, team isn't in the finals, mm. you know, for those uh, top up players and those players on the fringe, it's very hard to put your hand up when you haven't played that game, um, or you're just training 
in hope that someone might get injured or, or so forth. But I think uh, as a coach, have got that opportunity, I'd be pushing for the, the reserve side to be uh, wanting to win and be you know um, assisting the senior team in uh, um, in being ready to win a AFL flag. So it's turned all the full circle from the young kid with the famous name in Tassie and playing nearly 250 games and then coaching. Just about come to the end of our chat. We'll take our final break and then be back to wrap it up with Paul Hudson on the other side of the break. Hope you're enjoying it. This is your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Welcome back to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Our final segment with Paul Hudson on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You mentioned, Hutto, after I think it was about 38 years in the game (laughs) that you stepped away. Uh, Do you have any involvement in footy at all these days? I've actually helped out um, some junior clubs. Um, uh, Scotty Lucas is involved with a program, a football program called V-Squad. Um, I, it just uh, keeps you involved and around, again, kids wanting to pass on your knowledge to them. Uh, I had a mate to, uh, for the second half of uh, this year. Well, Brendan was actually my midfield coach at Sandy, and he spoke to me, and I, I found time to be able to get down and help him at the Blackburn Football Club. Um, got to the grand final, didn't quite get across the line with, with Vermont being too strong um, and a good club in saying that. Um, so it, it, it's good to be uh, around that club again, uh, that club uh, atmosphere and feeling and their um, the first time that they'd made a grand final since 1975, which is uh, you know, a great effort. So uh, hopefully they can learn from that and, and do one better next year. And sometimes it's nice to be around a footy club where that constant pressure is not there and there's just that sense of enjoyment that goes along with it too. It takes you back to the earlier days of your involvement in footy. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And look, I, I, I'm not one to do things half pie and I, I just I said to Brendan, look, I'll, I'll come down and help you out and they, they were really comfortable with that, which made it easy for me because uh, yeah, with uh, with work and family and so forth, I just couldn't commit. You can't. Even at suburban football, I realise how hard it is and the time and hours that they put in mm. is just just amazing um, you know, with the volunteers. And to keep a club viable, um, it is hard work. And I think there may actually be a bit of a link between uh, Blackburn and, and this program because this program is sponsored by... Tobin Brothers um, gives us the opportunity to chat to all the great people in footy like yourself, and there is a bit of a link there. Yeah, well, James McLeod, obviously, uh, a big supporter of uh, the Blackburn Footy Club. So, um, yeah, that's that's the connection with the, with the show. So, uh, well done to James and Tobin Brothers. I've loved the chat, but I've got the hard question to finish with. <laughs> Round one, 2025. Hawthorne is playing Tasmania in its first ever game of AFL football. Who are you barracking for? Gee, that is, that is a curveball. Um, my heart lies with, well, you know, you, my heart's with both clubs, it would be. Um, having loved Tassie growing up and being a part of it and loving Hawthorne, I, oh, gee, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't split that one. I might have to say, I might have to go with, oh, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. Football would be the winner. No, that that day, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, good call. It's been a great journey, Hutto. Thanks for sharing it with us. No, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
Paul Hudson joining us on This Is Your Sporting Life for Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. Hope you've enjoyed the chat and we'll have another one. Same time next week. Hope you can join us. You're listening to This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91